Good morning, church. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be together. Um, today we're kind of devoting our time as a, to the theme of reflection on what God has done for the church um, through the years. Uh, the church was planted in 1995 and uh, um, has ebbed and flowed. Uh, there's been additions, there's been subtractions, there's been a lot of lives, lives lived, and um, a lot of kids grown up in the church. And uh, we just want to spend the day just uh, thanking God for everything he's given, how he's added to us, how he's um, not, not only with humans, but in, in growth and in uh, understanding of, of him and his grace. And I wanted to uh, read a scripture from 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verse 4. Paul writes to the church in, in Corinth and says, I always thank my God for you because of the grace of God that was given to you in Christ Jesus. For you were made rich in every way in him, in all your speech and in every kind of knowledge. Just as the testimony about Christ has been confirmed among you, so that you do not lack any spiritual gift as you wait for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He will also strengthen will also strengthen you to the end, so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, by whom you are called in the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, I've always read this scripture wrong that dawned on me this morning, that Paul wasn't thanking God for the people. He was thanking God for the way he had blessed the people. That he had helped them to understand grace. He had given them grace and understand grace. And he was giving them every good spiritual gift. And I feel like that's what my reflection on, on the church in Burlington it really is. is he's been so faithful to us. We've had times where there's really good times. We've had some low times. We've had some struggles. But God has always been faithful, right? right? Whenever we had a perceived need or a real need in the church, God would bring somebody in. Right. Yep. And I looked at, um, I, I keep a roster of the church. And um, I used to keep a roster of the church in the early days. And when someone would come, I'd add their name. Someone would leave, I'd remove their name. And in 2012, I said, that's kind of foolish because I should be praying. Because I, I used the roster to pray through it. Mm-hmm. And, and just to remind me, everybody in the church. And I you know, started thinking, I, I've got to keep a roster, even those people that were here but are no longer here. And I looked at that and there's 140 names on there since 2012 wow. when I started to keep track of that. And my first thought was, well, if we didn't lose anybody, it would be a pretty big church. But that's not how God works. That's not how life works. Things happen and people move, people move away to uh, get married, um, to uh, for, for opportunities for work, for opportunities for the kids. Um, but God has always been faithful. He always adds back. And not always in our time, not always according to our perceived needs. Right. He's always been faithful to us. And he's always taken care of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Carolyn wanted to share some thoughts as well. Carolyn. So, back in 1995, I'm not going to talk about recent history, y'all were here for that, but 1995, very pregnant with Emma. Um, I was the first person restored in this church, and the first service, if Rob and I remember, yeah. uh, <laughs> we were at the VFW in Burlington. Oh, yes. oh, R in the back, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Okay, God, I'm going to keep really open heart here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trust you." You know, yeah. um, Maria's going to share in a bit, but Maria was the first person baptized here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maria and I had the first babies born. Wow. Basically, the church was a college ministry, yeah. <laughs> and Maria and I are like. Okay, how do we fit in here at all? (laughs) 
wasn't a kids ministry, there wasn't a lot of stuff, but we figured it out. Yep. We were blessed with really snuggly children that tend to be in the back and love the singing and you know, they love it. And to this day, right? Guess who loves to throw a party for our church? Um yeah, Jean Wing Marte, Pam Bixby. These are sisters that were here and totally saw our need and they're educators. So what do they do? They had all our girls over mm-hmm. for um, LAB Girls, which stands for, if you want to guess, learning about the Bible. Mm-hmm. They made tote bags with like sponge paint and they read like scriptures in the, in the Action Bible or Adventure Bible, mm-hmm. which we still have. <coughs> and... <laughs> We went to the Sunburst Tea Garden. We took fair drives over. We, we, all the moms would have lunches together with our children. It was beautiful. Like, still to this day, it's like some of Emma's favorite memories. Um, so when the church as a whole, as kingdom, had the orphanage over in Saktika, there was one, who's now a sister, one young girl who was turning 18 was going to phase out of being able to be there. She had some significant medical Situations and Emma's like, well, mom, why don't we raise money for hope? I'm like, I doubt that's going to be the end. But okay, honey, you know, like back her up. So Lauren and Natalie and Emma and I think Claire was just like, you know, a little curly head crazy girl. <laughs> um, they put together a lemonade stand and sold cookies, and we went during the church um, camping trip that we do every year at DAR. We had a massive softball game. She like they wiped us out of lemonade and cookies. They sold it again under the tent on the green when we were playing volleyball and raised $500. Mm-hmm. Sent it to her, to Mariana, and $500, guess what that buys me in Budapest? Mm-hmm. An entire semester of that tech school. Mm-hmm. And guess what she's doing now? Wow. That tech. Yeah. That's awesome. So I prayed a long time ago that um, I would study the Bible with a woman who's from a Jewish background, Jewish faith. Like, all right, God. Like, that would be so amazing for you to, like, prove, like, yes, your son, he's the promised one. And Larry had a coworker at the time who was Jewish and wanted to study the Bible. So we did, and she was baptized, and then her husband was baptized. And her two sons were being raised in a household where God was first. We had annual Oktoberfest parties at our house. Our little ranch in Shelburne. You guys remember that. <laughs> it was tiny. We had Passover. We celebrated Passover as a church in our tiny little basement. The whole church packed in there like a canister. <laughs> but the really cool thing is, all these events like Oktoberfest, my neighborhood was there. And then I had a new neighbor move in. And I used to bake a lot of homemade bread by my mom's recipe, so I took the couple of over to her, invited her to church. Later, it comes to find that she just cried her eyes out. She's like, no one has ever done anything nice for me like that. I'm like, that was just a poker. <laughs> like, it wasn't a big deal to me. I mean, it was, but it was special to me. It was my mom's recipe, but it meant the world to her. She got baptized. Her mom got baptized. Her stepfather got baptized. And the children amongst that extended blended family are still friends with us to this day. Um, yeah, Larry... Jason Barry County, <laughs> you know, they played at Oktoberfest. We had fun. I had kids that I've worked with at the high school come and play guitar, and they met Larry. And, like, you know, it's, it's about living your life and inviting people to enjoy your life with you. 
we had in 2005, we had 26 children in this room and 22 adults. <laughs> we were so outnumbered. When my brother-in-law came to visit the church, the adults cleared out. So we had to meet ratios, right? right. To keep our kids safe. Mm-hmm. And they were. Um, <laughs> so there was like eight to ten people left in here, and he's like, what just happened? And I'm like, it's kids' class. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, Pat and I just were intentionally, we just intentionally wanted to be fun. We wanted to have a family we didn't have, so we built one. And we prayed tons about it. We, in, we hosted elders, friends, out-of-town speakers, stayed at our house. We wanted to be with us. Um, our backyard was always hopping with birthday parties, baby showers, anniversaries. Was that your 40th birthday party we had my baby? We could skip the kids. Possibly. That was epic. That was, yeah. like, really fun. We've, we've also had some pretty good going away parties. But um, I'm not doing those anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, we've had we've had um, Sabina Fay, um, Jeannie Shaw, who's coming up. She and her husband studied with the Fays down in um, Massachusetts, and he's an engineer, and she's a baker, among other things, a special baker. I'm like, what, Sabina? Why don't you come up and um, stay at our house for the weekend? Encourage our church. So she brought a mill. She was grinding flour. We had ten people wow. at our house learning how to make all kinds of German bread, and it was, it was incredible. Um, and it's all because we hosted her daughter, who wasn't a disciple at the time, and she was a freshman at UVM in the moment. Like, you've got dirty laundry, you want to sleep without, you know, parties around you, why don't you come stay at our house? Mm-hmm. Emmy, you know, UVM freshman, we tried to talk her out of myself here. <laughs> like, there's no chance that she did anyway. But she's one of Emma's best friends. Um, so, I mean, well, yeah, like nursing school, when I was in nursing school, all of this is happening while I'm in nursing school with a two-year-old. Um, Pat's working full-time. I'm working weekends cleaning bathrooms in commercial buildings. We were busy. Life was hard. <laughs> um, but God kept blessing our relationship with him, and we just kept celebrating life with other people. And there's a scripture I wanted to read. It's in Isaiah 55, 10-12. It says, The rain and snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, Sorry, uh, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. You will live in joy and peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. One other one was in Deuteronomy 30, I'm sorry, verse 3. It says, God, your God, will restore everything you lost. He'll have compassion on you. He'll come back and pick up the pieces from all the places where you were scattered. No matter how far away you end up, God, your God, will get you out of there and bring you back to the land your ancestors once possessed. It will be yours. Again, he will give you a good life and make you more numerous than your ancestors. God, your God, will cut away the thick calluses on your heart and your children's hearts, freeing you to love God, your God, with your whole heart and soul and live, really live. 
God, we're so grateful for family. We're so grateful for memories, memories that uh, you've given us and blessed us with. And uh, God, we're so thankful that uh, at every turn you're there for us. Um, in the good times and the bad times, you're always there, and you're always uh, propping us up. You're always, uh, uh, you know, just uh, making us feel loved, and, uh, making us feel like the children that uh, you always wanted. And God, I just pray that uh, we can feel that, we can bask in that. Sometimes make the executive decision. If you want to make an executive call, just don't ask me to sing. All right, amen. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Um, I'd just like to share briefly, kind of alongside uh, Pat and Carolyn. And you know, when I think back to 1995, I was uh, I was in Boston in January, and uh, there was a call uh, from Boston to say, "Hey, we'd like to set something up in Burlington, Vermont." And I'd never been to Vermont before. Just something inside of me said that's where you're going, and and so I went to all the different meetings to prepare for coming up here, and I was just like, I had no idea what to expect. And you know, after listening to Pat Carolyn, you couldn't expect any of that. You just simply have to understand um, our church was a church that was becoming, and I hold on to this word becoming because tomorrow I'm becoming something more. You know, back in back in uh, 2000. I don't even know what happened that year specifically. But I was becoming something. And the church was becoming something. And I just love that because no matter who we are, mm-hmm. no matter what we even think or feel about ourselves, God is helping you become something new. That's right. And I love that because no matter no matter the people that come and go, no matter the size of our church, large or small, no matter the children in our church, the ministry there, large or small, it doesn't matter. God is doing something to make us become something. And he has a will and an intent for all that. And uh, I just feel that deeply. And I just, what, when I think about, like, what part did I play? Like, I didn't, I didn't expect to hear my name come up here, but it, it just makes me feel good that I'm becoming something so that God can use me to do something for somebody else. That's right. That's the most important piece. The Slaters, the Slaters have continued to become an important anchor for so many people. For, for giving them faith, for giving them something to hold on to, for that, that extra ounce of love, just enough that they need it to become something they need it to become, to be, be greater. There's a lot of memories that we have here in our church. I think it's a great day to celebrate that. Uh, you know, we're, we're about to have a snowstorm here, it looks like. But, <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? In Vermont, seasons will change. But God is permanent. God is eternal. God determines the times and the places in which we will live, right? And it's not just because of us. It's because of the lives we touch, right? So I'm going to stop preaching. But, um, but I just think it's important that we always remember. God has always called us to remember him, to, remember, to have us remember what he has done. And I know, Sue, remembrance is one of your favorite topics. I love that, too. 
And I think that we have remembrance to hold on to here in Vermont. Mm-hmm. Those 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 stones of remembrance. We should find ways to set them. Pat <coughs> keeps a journal of, of who has come and who's gone and all that. That's a stone of remembrance. Mm-hmm. And I love it because it's a testament to God's faith for us, right? Yeah. Uh, Carolyn Pat did an awesome job on giving the uh, history of the Burlington Church of Christ and brought up so many memories. Um, I'm terrible, and my brain just washes. So I can't remember. So you did a great job. And you are the king and queen of hospitality, and I know that means a lot to God. That's what he wants us um, how to treat everyone. So thank you for sharing and, and, and teaching me how to do that. Um, now, for my part, uh, first of all, I'm not crazy about up here talking, not because I'm nervous, but I, even though I wrote this, I have dyslexia, so a lot of times when I'm reading, I switch words, and I, you know, so it's, it's difficult for me to get, and it's not that I'm embarrassed about it, but it's like, did my point get across? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got so you. We're with you. <laughs> okay. So, um... <laughs> I moved to Burlington, Vermont, with my family, my husband, and I uh, moved in December of 92 in, on Catherine Street, which we still live today. <clears throat> my daughter, Lauren, was born on February 5th, 1994, and um, I was raised Catholic, so I had Lauren baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church on the corner. I did not attend that church, though, and I prayed to God to help me find the church. I knew that I wanted something different, and... Um, so God always answers prayers. Mm-hmm. Now, where I lived, um, Chris and Sue Hosmer lived on the cross street, mm-hmm. of, you know, right oh, yeah. two doors down from us. But the single guys lived a block that way, and the single girls lived <laughs> another block that way. So I was <laughs> surrounded. Mm-hmm. So when I prayed for a church, God said, okay, Maria, this is the one. <laughs> so Chris and Sue Hosmer knocked, actually knocked on my door, and they were having a housewarming party because they had just moved in. And um, somehow I knew it was a church. And I don't know, maybe it was a conversation we had with them. I don't remember the conversation. It was getting that wash thing. But I knew. So um, at the party, I met the whole startup team. And I said, yeah, I, I do want to study the Bible. So... Um, I went to the first um, big service of Burlington Church of Christ. It was here down mm-hmm. here. And a loaded service. And I brought Lauren, who was 10 months old with me, never been apart from me. Oh, you have to bring her to the children's class. And I'm like, okay. So I bring her, and I leave my screaming child there. And they said, we will come if she doesn't calm down. So I'm in the service, and I get 30 minutes. And I was blown away that I had 30 minutes. <laughs> and I get tapped on the shoulder, you know, your daughter's like, oh, she's been crying the whole time. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, so I have her in my arms and I want to go to the service. So I open the door and, and I, <laughs> I did it about three times and I'm like, okay, this is not working. So, um, um, so I started to walk out. And I'm looking, I'm on page two already. Okay. Um, so I started to walk out, and there was these two, there was these guys behind me in the church that had come in, and one of them guy had a backpack with headless Barbie dolls sticking out. You know? <laughs> nice. Our, yeah. And so um, one of those guys decides to walk out and start talking to me as I'm trying to leave. And so I'm like, oh, now what do I do? So I have to 
I'm like, oh, I forgot something. I ditch back and I <laughs> run to my car. And my comment on that is Satan, Satan is always trying, right? right. Um, but um, I did continue to study the Bible, and I was a person with a lot of questions. Lot, what about this? What about this? What about this? And um, I, this is what, during the study, before I studied the Bible, um, before I studied, I was familiar with the Bible. My understanding was a history book. That's how I looked at the Bible. In my study, I learned that it is the past and present teaching um, that is part of the story. So it's, it was happened in the past, but it is still current now. And um, I'm part of that story, and I'm also a sinner. When I when I learned that, it clicked for me. I said, Oh, 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 this is. I need to learn a lot more. Oh, I need to be involved. I need to find out what God wants in my life. Um, so I, we went through all the studies, and I said I wanted to get baptized. And this is like a reality show. I said I want to get baptized, and my phone rings. It's my doctor, and I had taken a test about a week prior. And she says, I want you to come in. I want you to talk about this test. Take it. And um, I started asking questions, and she says, I just need you to come in, and I'm bawling at this point. Mm-hmm. So um, I was quite upset when I got off the phone, and the question was from the person, they said, You still want to get baptized? Mm-hmm. And I looked at them and I said, Of course I do, and that, that confident, Yes, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> um, um, and then, um, okay. You're pregnant with Natalie. Huh? You're pregnant with Natalie. Yeah. 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 Um, so, um, I was baptized in the fall of 19... Let's see, the answer was yes. Okay. So they wanted me... To, I did get baptized. And I was baptized in the fall of 1995. Um, but it was three weeks from the time that I got that phone call from my doctor until I found out it was a negative test that I was concerned about. And I was baptized, and I was also asked to talk about my baptism before that test came back. And then they found out, and they said, do you want to to, um, talk? And I said, yeah. So, um, this is what I got. This is what I want to share, is those two questions. Maria, do you still want to get baptized? Maria, do you want to wait till after you get the test results and share? Mm-hmm. It taught me I had a strength and conviction. Mm-hmm. Yes, I wanted to be baptized. Yeah. God's with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have been able to, um, I wouldn't have known my strength. I wouldn't have known that if those things didn't happen to me. So mm-hmm. God set me up. God set me up. He's like, Maria, you're going to need me now. I'm going to make sure and make sure that you're with me. So God taught me to rely on him first. I was able to go to him first. Um, you turn, so when you turn to God, you accept him as your Savior. It doesn't mean that you won't have any challenges. It means you know who to go to when those challenges come up. And that's what I was taught. And that, um, being in the Burlington Church of Christ has given me much brotherly and sisterly love. Um, from those brothers and sisters, I have learned much and greater understanding of the scriptures and other people's experience with God. So from the beginning of my journey, I have learned to go to God first, mm-hmm. and he'll provide me with strength and those around you, brothers and sisters. 
Good morning. Uh, I now have the pleasure of getting to talk a little bit about how Monica and I came to the church and what that history looks like, and then lead us into uh, communion. And when I was just reflecting on getting ready for this talk, I was thinking about what how the church in Burlington is especially a little bit different, I would say, from others, and how that really profoundly impacted Monica and I and continues to impact us every day. And I think about, the first, first, of all, the very, first of all, the very first interaction that we ever had with the Burlington church. And some of you may have heard this story already, so apologies about that. But we were, at the time, we were um, married. We were just getting ready and starting to look for different churches, trying to find one that we wanted, right? I thank God for Google every single day because they help me this year. Right? So let's all thank Google and, and thank God for, for Google. Um, but beyond that, we had been church hopping. And it was interesting because we went into other churches where you can go in and out. May make eye contact with one person, possibly two. You get the hand greeter at the door. But that might be the extent of it. There's no relationship there. It's, it wasn't focused in how can you join us? How can you be with us? How can we help facilitate and help each other grow spiritually? That was not a theme that we saw until we arrived at the Burlington Church. And it started with, again, that very first interaction. The second that Monica and I walked through the door, it was a service, it was downstairs. Mike Walzer, who was leading the church at the time, was in the back, all the way at the back. And he looks, and he sees us, and to me, it felt like a dead sprint. I thought he was... <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, if we'd been anywhere else, I would have been, like, scared. But, you know, it was fine. He was, like, <laughs> pawing his way through. And then in about, like, half a breath, he goes, hey, I'm Mike, I leave the church. Do you guys want to come over for dinner tonight? I was like, <laughs> sure, that sounds great. Because that's what we wanted. We wanted the relationship. And... Yeah. and we, of course, went to dinner. We had a lovely time with them that night. And then afterwards, I got the biggest, longest, most awkward hug I've ever gotten in my life. But it was, it was at that moment between immediately feeling like we were being sought after and then the dinner, the hugs. It helped, it helped us very clearly see that this was going to be a church and an experience that was going to help bring people together in a truly, like, grounded, relational way. And that is something that we continue to see throughout our entire experience here with the church. Uh, So that was, I think, summer of 2016-ish. Fast forward through studying. uh, We were baptized July 2017, so thank the Lord for that. And that experience was just unreal, I think. We had both, respectively, been in our own unique places in our faith. I think I had came in with very little, if any. That's just part of. I grew up in Maine, very similar to Larry. We didn't. There really wasn't much faith going on around there, other than faith to be more studied, more thoughtful, and, and certainly some challenges with different components of belief. And I think what was amazing throughout the entire time, especially was with studying Mike and Kristen specifically. They helped really speak to each of our concerns, our, our fears, our emotions, and use the Bible as the grounding bedrock for all of that faith. Yeah. And that was one thing, even today, 
while the dynamics of the church have changed over time, and certainly since we were baptized in 2017, I think the thing that I continue to see is that God is the rock, mm-hmm. and yeah. that no matter yeah. what our dynamics are, what our strengths are that we all individually carry, we all use that and play off of each other's strengths and help facilitate growth spiritually. And even even within you know our own little church network as well, that is something that I also see is that we are a grounded body of believers that are really, really focused on studying the Bible and, and believe, certainly believing in God, right? But, but the Bible is always in, in the heart of the conversations that we have. And I think that that's something that I feel incredibly blessed to have in my life, especially considering the background, especially that I come from, and even Monica as well, that we, we sometimes can feel a little tug of, a tug of the flesh or Satan tugging us away saying, oh, don't worry, just, just believe in the flesh. And that, that's obviously not, not good. So I'm grateful to have the Bible and, and everybody here to be able to help think about, think about um, Scripture and God and, and Jesus in different ways. And I think for us, we are, as you can tell, we are definitely relational people. We love that no matter who is here in this physical body or whether, you know, a part of a bigger church, we get to have that opportunity to connect relationally as well. Um, And, you know, it's funny, I even got to see that a few weeks ago. I had to travel to South Carolina and had the opportunity to go to the Charleston Church of Christ. And it's amazing. I did not, I knew one person there, (laughs) Sean Summerkamp. And uh, everybody else I didn't know, and everybody embraces you the same exact way. It's almost that fierce Mike Balzer veracity. They see you, they come running. Hey, brother! Oh, big bear hug. You know, not quite the long, awkward hugs like Mike does, but it's all right. But I think what we are now seeing, especially, is we still are feeling, obviously, very relational, very grateful for everybody in this family that we have now. And I think... For Monica and I, we we haven't really seen we haven't seen the church in as and as long of a time frame as some of you have, but certainly we've had a lot of changes. We've had a lot of challenges in the last couple of years, I think, especially with COVID kind of taking over the world and not being able to see each other personally. And I mean, like half of you in this room didn't even get to meet Juniper in person for like a full year, which is wild to me. Right, we've had the challenges of seeing the church shrink in size a little bit, and it happens. It's part of the dynamics of life, right? And I think that's the one thing I'm grateful that we get to have Jesus to be able as a perfect example of how to live and how to be grounded in with God, because ultimately that our relationship matters the most with God, right? We put Him first, and I think. That's the one thing that absolutely has not changed with this core group of people at all. And I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that we have the word to be able to lean on and to help reinforce that thinking every single day. And so as I'm, as I'm starting to roll this up towards communion, um, the one thing that I continue to see and, and be challenged by with Jesus especially is how can we use our gifts in our own unique ways, right? Leaning in on those gifts that have been given to us by God to go and seek others who need this type of help. Monica and I, we were we were actively seeking and 
Thank, again, thank God for Google. We found you guys. Uh, but I think there are, outside of those who are seeking, there are those who are lost and that need, need to be found. Right. And I think about um, that, you know, especially in this crazy world that we are in right now, as it relates to the sin that is becoming more easily entangled more easily entangles, there we go, uh, that more easily can entangle us every single day, whether, whether it's this body or anybody outside of that, helping, helping understand and realize that God sent his son as this perfect example of how to live, and it still is 100% relevant even today. Just because God didn't have an iPhone doesn't mean he still couldn't get his message out there, right? right. And I think that leads me into this, uh, this passage, Romans 8, a little bit of a long one, but starting in verse 1. Therefore, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know, I think we, we continue to have, I think, challenges with how being presented with potential sin, sinful things every single day. It's around us, it's on our phones, it's out on the sidewalks, it's everywhere. And I think the thing that I always continue to come back with, and, and even with this group especially think about, is how can we be lights to those who are around? How can we use the power and the knowledge that has been given to us and then present it in a way with those special gifts to others? And I think, and I reflect on the amazing gifts that God gave Jesus, the, the power of being a, a powerful speaker, a powerful storyteller, a powerful human being that was able to just overcome all the sin that was presentable at the time. And frankly, I, personally, I think we have a lot more potential for sin now because of our devices, especially, and other things than Jesus was presented with. But he still, if he was here today, he would still overcome all of them mm-hmm. as well. That's right. And I think that that's a powerful reminder to me that we have a really high calling to be like Jesus. And ultimately, God, God put him on the cross to help re- redeem us from that sin and I cleanse us of that sin and help us be that pure offering for others. And I think that's the gift that we all have. And I know this church especially, everybody has gifts here, and this church especially has the gift of being powerful relationship builders. And I think that that is one thing that I continue to take away and reflect on, and I hope that you all do today as well, is that... It's with the power of our communications, the power of our knowledge, the power of the love that we carry for others that we are going to be able to help grow the church, grow the body, grow the number of believers, and be able to bring more people to God. And I think Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was the ultimate atonement for that. And we need to just continue to reflect on that every single day. And so with that, uh, let's go ahead and pray for our communion service, and then... uh, and then we'll jump into the next thing. Great powerful God. God, you're so awesome. You've given us this 
great world that we get to live in and these bodies and God, you did the same for Jesus as well. And, and you, you ultimately made him a sacrifice to cleanse us of our sins. And I'm so extremely grateful for that. God, I'm, I'm just blown away at that idea that you would do such a, do such a thing to, to, for me, for, for all of us, God. And I'm grateful. I can't imagine what it would be like to be standing with Jesus right now. But God, if, it, if, if he was here right now, I know that you he would be speaking powerful messages and, and continuing to share great news, great love, and, and helping inspire me to walk better and more like him every single day. And while his physical presence is not here, his, his spirit lives on. And I'm so grateful that we have the spirit working through powerfully through us to be able to use our gifts and encourage others who need, who need you, God. I know that I need you, and while I'm certainly not perfect, I pray that you will use me powerfully as well as everybody else in this room to to reach out to others, God, to be lights to those who are around. And God, I'm, again, just thankful for Jesus and all the ways in which he can so powerfully teach us uh, lessons even today and all the ways that uh, he's just been this perfect example of a life that we want to walk like. So I pray that we do that. I pray that uh, we'll take this time to reflect on him and, and drink the juice and, and uh, uh, remember the flesh of Jesus just being that perfect example of how to live. Thank you so much, Father. We love you. We praise you. It's in your son's name, I pray. Um, you know, and so Pat sent out an email asking us to... Uh, share expression of gratitude for what God has added to his church in Burlington over the years. Obviously, that's me. <laughs> right? Uh, so I was thinking about it. I have had an impact on this church. I've made us balder, right? <laughs> and not just me. When I first started coming here, Rob had hair. <laughs> I had more hair, too. <laughs> <laughs> I've made us hairier as well. But I certainly had help from the big guy leaving, right? Um, you know, I had, I've had an impact to bring more awkward humor to the church. But I haven't been alone in that. You know, I obviously brought my best friend in on that mission with me. And then, obviously, I've certainly added to the loud, bolsterous nature of the church. But, you know, again, Shelby's really helped on that front. <laughs> uh, you know, I think instead of talking what God has done through the church... I want to talk instead about what God has used the church for and what the church was and what the church still is. Um, you know, a lot of you know my conversion story, mine and Kay's conversion story. Um, and I have, but there are parts that I haven't considered before. Like Katie and I were actively seeking God before we were found. Um, and we actually went to a church up the road and it was one of the more awkward experiences of my life because Katie and I were teenagers at the time and we were probably hungover, if I'm being entirely honest. And we go into this church and every single person in this church was over 65. And after church, they, the elders of the church came up and like ushered Katie and I into the basement room where the elders were meeting. And they asked us, how can we get more young people here? And the first thing that went to my head is, not like this. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I'm never coming back. <laughs> and we didn't. And Katie and I, literally, it was such a bad experience that Katie and I decided we're not looking anymore. We're done. That was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and then two weeks later, we got reached out to by this church. And, it, you know, I won't go into my conversion story again, but basically I've always looked at it from my perspective. I was living my life. I had what was going on in my life, and then I got reached out to. Katie was going through her life. Katie had what was going on in her life. Then Katie got reached out to. But this week it hit me the other side of the story. Katie got reached out to because Evelyn Jackson, after being hit with a car, decided to share with the woman that hit her with the car. I got reached out to because Josh and Euro, Josh McLean and Euro Lutz, I got reached out to because they asked me for like a fifth time after I'd said no like four other times in a row. And that's what our church is. It's easy to look at my conversion story and associate with the prodigal son. But I think a better way to look at it, especially this week, is through the eyes of Acts 8. So let's all go over to Acts 8, starting in verse 26. So I'm just going to read it. Um, So now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Kadak, which means the queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. So Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come sit with him. This was the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with this very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. So they traveled along the road and came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is standing in the way of me being baptized? So he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down to the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared uh, at some place and traveled about, preaching the gospel to all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Can we tell him that it's pronouncing biblical names? We as a church are in this passage. And I think that we have shown ourselves be the church of verse 26 and 29, willing to listen to the Spirit. 
the Spirit showed up to Philip and said, take, do this trip. And it was 50 miles. <laughs> now, as an avid long-distance hiker, 50 miles is longer than you think it is. <laughs> and I don't know if I would walk 50 miles because God was like, hey, go share your faith with some dude 50 miles from here. That's brutal. But we've done that. As a church, we have examples of that. You know, I think of how many times we've opened our mouths to share with the grocery bagger or the gas station attendant or friends and family. I think of how many times that the Spirit has told us in this room to just open your mouth. And we've done that. You know, I think we also are in verse 30. So if we go to verse 30 real quick. Um, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. That's a really awkward interaction. <laughs> Philip just runs up to this dude and just like, hey, do you get it? What's going on? And I feel like I have had way too many of those awkward conversations. And I know we all have. You know, I was sharing my faith one time on UVM with David Lightsky, and he walked up to this kid, and this kid was wearing like a marijuana t-shirt or something. It wasn't. And David walked up to this kid and said, your shirt is offensive. So <laughs> <laughs> I was on the Bible talk. <laughs> and like, I was like, darn <laughs> The kid did not come to Bible talk. <laughs> but for me, I was like, I want to be okay in that awkward question. In that awkward moment. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was driving, and uh, there was a young woman, probably a teenager, sitting at the bus stop. And it's freezing cold, and I'm driving home. And so I pulled up to the light, and then I got convicted, so I backed up. And I rolled my window down, and I said, hey, do you want to ride somewhere? And honestly, in my head, it wasn't as creepy as it sounds. Because in my head, I'm going to give this woman a ride home. I'm going to share my faith. Maybe. This woman said, no, and like grabbed her bag and pulled it to me. And then I realized, like, oh, you're like a 6'4", 260-pound man that she doesn't know. But I, like, in my head, I'm not threatening. I'm me. I'm a teddy bear. Why are you, why are you, trust, like, why are you afraid of me? Right? Um, but how many experiences do we have like that? Right? Where we just open our mouths. You know, I think of, I think of Nate, who became a disciple because Mike Balzer vomited the word Jesus at him. <laughs> like, Mike just walked into um, U-Haul and said, Do you want to the Bible? And they was like, yes. And that's all it is. And that's what the Ethiopian eunuch shows us. That if someone's actively seeking, we can just vomit the word church at them. And we see. And how many experiences do we have like that in this room? You know, I look at... Um, I look at 34, verse 34. You know, we are a church that brings good news. In 34, tell me please, who is this prophet talking about? Then Philip began with the very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. That's us. You know, we have, we've had a lot of studies here that have showed tremendous fruit. And studying the Bible... Studying the good news is always the highlight of my life. Mm -hmm. Every single yeah, one. So true. It's the most important thing I can do with my time. Amen. 
And it's the most impactful thing. It's the most powerful thing. And I know we're all like this in this room. You know, and then it takes a turn for almost the worst. This new disciple, this new convert, this man of importance is left alone. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. And I feel like that's also us. I feel like, yeah, there were 140 people in this church. That's a really, I, that's super encouraging. I love that point. But there aren't now. And sometimes I can feel like we haven't seen our friends again. But you know what? There was a church in Ethiopia after this. Yeah. And he went on his way rejoicing. And that's also us. Mm. I can come into this group of people and rejoice. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're all going to sign a suicide pact and we don't leave. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get a party. <laughs> no more parties. No more going away parties. Um, but I can come in rejoicing with you guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we're smaller than we were, but we're mightier than we were. Amen. Mm-hmm. And so I guess today what I just want us to consider is returning to what we used to be. For me, just bluntly, I have lost the zeal to share with the gas station attendant. I have become too complacent telling the Holy Spirit to shut up. Some of it is it's awkward to invite people to a church of 25 people. Some of it is I'm more introverted as I get older. But I've become complacent in opening my mouth and having those awkward conversations. Which is weird because I'm homeschooled, so you think I'd be immune to awkwardness. (laughs) (laughs) But I would like to challenge us today to return to that, to open our mouths, to listen to the Spirit, to be willing to walk 50 miles. And to reveling in the joy that we have and going on our way alone, even if it's just a group of us, mm-hmm. but going on our way rejoicing yep. as the Ethiopian yeah. unit did. Mm-hmm. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. My wife's going to come up and share. Come on, right. Come on,
um, has decided to give her life. But she wanted to do it through her own journey and ask all those questions. And watching that and listening to that, that made me reflect about my own baptism and thinking about how what I was thinking before that and since then. And so I, I love Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. And I just also that whole chapter, it says invitation to the thirsty. And that is definitely, was definitely me at the time, as Ryan brought up, that we were seeking, we were thirsty. And uh, I start in verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that comes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, and will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So I have a couple thoughts about this scripture, about how amazing it is that my thoughts are not his thoughts. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Even to this day, but especially when I got baptized, thank goodness, because just the terrible time if his thoughts were the same as mine. Um, I don't think I could be standing here if my thoughts were his thoughts. And I'm sure our church would not be the same if our thoughts were the, the same as his. They are greater. They are higher. And I agree with Devin that I am so grateful that our foundation is God. That we are not trying to rely on our own thoughts, our own feelings. And that's why we're still here today, because of that. Um, I also love that when he supplies or feeds the earth, it flourishes. Uh, Kind of going off of what Ryan said, that if we weren't, uh, if we didn't have his word, how could we be able to spread the word and uh, rely on that, rely on our own word, not his word? It flourishes. I think of... Last year, I'm hoping my garden is much better this year, but I watered it, and it did not flourish. (laughs) I did not get a lot of uh, feedback from my garden, so I'm praying it's better this year. But yet, that was because I was relying on my own thoughts, my own ways, not relying on God, which he makes clear that it flourishes. And that at the end, again, another amazing thought, his word always accomplishes what he desires. And that it goes back to, my ways are not his ways. Mm -hmm. That when I've opened my mouth, I've thought, it didn't go the way I wanted it to. Mm -hmm. But it probably was the way God wanted it to be. That's right. Maybe that awkward conversation, maybe that person isn't here today, but might be in the future. I don't know that, but it might be his way, and his way is greater and higher. That's right. Yeah. So it may not be what I expected, but when I reflect upon how grateful I am for this church, that I'm grateful that we have stayed thirsty for God's word. Whether it's through this 
these tough times or even great times. Um, we're not getting caught up into, oh, it's been so great. Maybe that means we should start thinking about mm-hmm. our ways, our thoughts, mm-hmm. bringing it back to God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just stand here today because I'm grateful that we're always relying on this word. Very in tune with the Holy Spirit. 
and is often used as a verbal, like, voice of God <laughs> type person. Um, and so one night, she is over at our house, and um, she, and I was kind of, like, wrestling with these thoughts again, and just kind of, like, I had gotten to a point where I was, like, just kind of, I was able to push them aside. I was, like, you can never really know for sure it's fine. We're just going to be fine. <laughs> and she comes up to me this night, this night, and she goes, and she starts going, she's talking to the human, and God loves you, like, he sees you, you're his daughter. And in, in that conversation, all of a sudden her language switched, and it was no longer you or his, it became you or mine. And, that, and I just remember, like, being, so, like, sitting there going, like, in tears, because I'm crying, obviously, because I just cry all the time. <laughs> and and um, just, like, feeling that peace of, like, I belong to God, and God is audibly, like very clearly, audibly saying, like, "No, you're mine. Mm-hmm. You're not. I'm not. You're not going anywhere. You're mine." And so, I get it accepted into Champlain, and I start moving up, up like, get preparing to move up here again. And um, my dad, the way he deals with change, is he researches the bejeebers out of it. So he made it his personal mission to get me set up with the church up here, and. Again, similarly to Devin, thank God for Google. <laughs> um, so he emailed Mike before I even came out here, and was just. And then I got up here, and Christy, my friend, um, had promised me that God had second specific prayer of this whole process was that God would provide a community that I could just kind of like plot myself into because talking to new people not my strength. Um, and so Christy had promised me that I would have a friend that would, would be after my own heart mm-hmm. and um, would be ready to come alongside me. And so that first Sunday that I'm up here, I skip out of, on orientation to come check out this little church called Burlington Church of Christ. And my dad hunts down Mike because he's like, I emailed you. And my dad, and he starts talking to Mike. And he goes, yeah, we're just dropping off Emily at Champlain. And Mike goes, oh, have another student from Champlain who just started. Let me go introduce you to her. And that was Allie Ohanesi, who very quickly became my best friend. And so when I think about God's timing, if I had come out here when I first graduated high school, Allie would not have been up here. Because she was going into her freshman year of college when I came up, when I moved up here. So if I had not met Allie, and I did not have that immediate connection of somebody pulling me in, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have stayed but in this church. Mm-hmm. But because I immediately had that like con- immediate connection with Allie, mm-hmm. and she was just like, I'm going to pull you along. I was like, <laughs> let's go. <laughs> and like, I mean, my parents took her out for lunch that day, and we, and I had, we had pictures of the two of us that day. Mm-hmm. And just like, I think about that God's timing with that, and then like when I was getting ready to graduate and thinking about what my next steps were, mm-hmm. and just thinking, and just realizing that I wanted to stay here to help with the campus ministry, mm-hmm. and then after I told, like made that, like told people that two months later, Mike Walter was like, we're moving, mm-hmm. and so just just God's timing that 
he directs those that path and just like prepares people to come into your life when you need them and then prepares like also prepares people to step in when other people leave to be that um, is just something that um, always amazes me and so I was studying when I backpack a little bit when I studied the Bible um, I once again had to deal with those feelings of like feeling um, like I was a fraud and I remember sitting in the in the dining hall at Champlain one day and we were, we were talking we had been talking about baptism with Allie and um, Kristen and Jesse at some point and um, and I remember sitting in the dining hall and just like praying and like crying about it because I was again feeling like I was the biggest fraud ever and that's not a fun place to sit and to be in um, and God just directed me to Psalm 100 which is which um, says shout for joy to the Lord all the earth worship the Lord with gladness come before him with joyful songs knowing know that the Lord is God it is he who made us and we are his we are his people the sheep of his pasture Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and, and, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I just remember once again just like reading that and just feeling like a breath of just like relief of like, okay, regardless of what my decision is, I am still God. And I texted, and then I texted Kristen and Allie. I was like, all right, let's do it. Let's get baptized. And they're like, and then they kept asking me questions. I'm like, no, stop. You got to stop asking me questions. The more you ask me questions, the more I'm going to like overanalyze it. Just stop. Get it done. And it, um, so I got baptized on December 14th of 2017. And then while we're going through that process, like while we're doing that, Allie's texting her mom. And just another example of God's Allie, that was actually Allie's spiritual birthday as well. She oh, wow. baptized, I think, a couple years prior. Oh, wow. And she didn't even remember that mm-hmm. until her mom told told her. And so that's just another, like, sweet. And, and my older brother got to come out and was, was there because he flew out to fly me home. Um, and so it just, yeah, just um, God's timing, it just goes yeah. beyond ever, ever imagined, and it's just always perfect, and um, he knows exactly how long it's going to take. He knew it. He knew that I was, I would need that two years of mental preparation <laughs> to move across country, and he, and he knew that um, I was going to need, I was going to need you guys, and I was going to need the people of this church to come alongside me, and he knew that I was going to need Allie to pull me in, and so I'm just excited to move forward and see how God's timing continues to pull people in, and um, just, just Amen. All right, so I get to be a closer. Yeah. You're going to be able to stick with me here real quick? Oh, yeah. I'm excited just to, uh, to be here with you guys today. As I think Larry noted, it looked like we were getting some snow. So 
Seasons are changing, though. Sean um, and I are heading out to uh, New Orleans in a little bit, so we're pretty excited about that. All right. And also going to drop by Mobile, Alabama, which is where I grew up. Wow. And I just heard on the way in from my best friend's wife, who did, you know, typical guy thing. Like, I haven't talked to him since 2003. <laughs> <laughs> but he's your but best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't find him because he's not online. <laughs> you know, his wife was. I got him. This so we're gonna, we're gonna reconnect. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna reconnect. We're gonna live out those childhood, uh, you know, memories that we have together, the old neighborhood, right? And uh, I'm sure it's gonna be a lot smaller than I remember. But <laughs> yeah, I, I think that it is really important to be able to both remember back and look forward. Right. And uh, that was a little bit of the assignment today. I kind of felt like as everybody was talking, I'm like, oh, you're taking all my points. So that's fine. Yeah. You make it shorter, right? Um, and I also kind of wonder if I understood the assignment, but you know, <laughs> I do think that um, you know when we arrived here, it, it was definitely like we were a ragtag bunch of disciples from different locations across New England, just living on a prayer uh, with hope and expectation to see what God was going to do, um, and you know, seeing God move hearts. This is 28 years ago mm-hmm. at this point. Isn't that crazy? Oh, yeah, wow. I think yeah. I did that. No, that's right. right. Yeah, that's right. Um, So, you know, before that crew was kind of assembled to start the congregation, um, I I really only knew Vermont as a place where, you know, I I meant to wear my red flannel shirt. That was part of (laughs) (laughs) it. But I only knew Vermont as a place with red flannel and maple syrup and pancakes. Mm -hmm. That was it. I didn't know much about it. I think I, you know, knew it as one of the 50 states from the list that you memorized in grade school. Right. Yeah. You know? It's the other side of New Hampshire. Um, and, and it was north of where I lived. That was all I remember. And people used wood stoves to heat their homes. I'm like, so it sounded actually pretty cool. It's kind of appealing. Right? Um, but, you know, I think in the spring, uh, I thought of it as the spring of 95. Maybe it was earlier than that. But there was the call that went out and said, like, hey, we're going to be starting a congregation up in, up in Burlington, Vermont. And... Um, just to see who was going to be interested. I was a mountain guy at heart. There weren't very many mountains in Salem, Massachusetts. So, um, you know, so I, you know, that's where I graduated college and was, was working at that point. I'd only been a Christian a few years. Um, and I said, hey, that's pretty close to New Hampshire. New Hampshire's got mountains. <laughs> I, knew that, right? so it's like, I, I knew nothing about Vermont. Um, you know, and, and Vermont probably was a lot less congested than Boston. So I was like, I'm in. I'm in. And it was... You know, I didn't, but I didn't envision myself as a missionary, like in quotes, right? It was actually kind of scary. Um, and I was probably a quiet guy. I mean, the people, many people might be surprised at that. I don't know if they are or not. But basically, in 1995, I had a Rand McNally roadmap because the, the internet wasn't invented yet, potentially. Right? There were no cell phones. Um, you know, my plan was well thought out and detailed. I basically told my roommates I was leaving for the weekend. I gave the map a quick look to see what highway I needed to get on, and I threw my sleeping bag and a couple of apples in the back of my truck, <laughs> and I hit the road. Um, at a dollar fifteen a gallon, it was going to be a really expensive trip. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and it was three and a half mile, three and a half hours north of me, and um, on my radio, and I didn't have a, a C, uh, I didn't, I didn't have a tape deck, unfortunately. Like CD yeah. players were still yeah, that's on the cool. newer cars. Yeah. So I didn't even have a tape deck. Right? So I, you know, I did the Am Jam on the way up, and uh, I was like, "Wow, oh, I'm in the boondocks." And uh, you know, I think that it, you know, coming up, it was um, we weren't organized. I don't even remember how we found each other. Like once we all arrived, like how do you do that without cell phones or email? I don't even remember. You plan ahead. 
We must have like written them down on papers. I don't know. Probably. But we were able to find each other. You know, we're all from different areas in New England. Uh, many of us we didn't even know each other. Um, so it was all very new. <coughs> but it started. We were inexperienced. We didn't have any formal training. Uh, printed off some invitations. I still have that invitation. I didn't find it this morning, but I still have the initial inaugural invitation that mm-hmm. Maria was talking about. Yeah, I got mine. Uh, from 1985. Uh, our first, I think, service, uh, Carolyn, you probably have to help me here, or Larry, but I believe it was at the VFW. It was. And so, like, we're, you know, singing songs and hearing the Word of God amidst the stale beer and cigarette smoke. Cigarette smoke. You know, <laughs> praising God. <laughs> great times, you know. Um, but we hit the streets of Vermont. Um, found out pretty quickly, which, you know, hitting the, hitting the streets of Vermont meant that you were just basically on Church Street or down at the waterfront because that was the only place that people were. Yeah. And uh, a few of us did venture out into the sticks of, like, you know, Stickville, Williston, and South Burlington <laughs> out there. Um, we, interest, we asked people if they're interested in God, interested in church, interested in spiritual things, but people came. Yep. And um, I don't think we were an impressive group, really. I was pretty young. Um, but people came, neighbors, coworkers, random people off the street. And, um, you know, I, I feel like we got some good sampling here of everybody uh, talking, but, you know, of the people still in this room that were there, it would have been Larry, Carolyn, and uh, eventually Pat, uh, probably Maria in the next room. Um, but we've had just, we've had years, right? We have, we have been through a lot of change uh, during those years. Uh, a lot of great things, a lot of amazing things that God has done. Um, over the over time, and um, uh, Maria basically kind of shared uh, her a little bit, but I've always thought of her, you know, as just that Acts 17, yeah. which we talked about, the time, God setting times and places, yeah. you know, to, to live. I was that single brother's household that was just down the street from her, right? You know, we were not impressive, <laughs> um, but she came and she became a disciple. And, uh, you know, just I think that the list really is too long to look back on. Now, the amount of people that have been impacted because of the congregation, the non-impressive congregation in Burlington, Vermont, of people just trying to do it the best they can, you know, and trying to stick on the Bible and make sure that it's a movement of what God wants and not just a people movement, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the same challenge for us today, I think. Yeah. Um, it makes people. Here I am, 28 years later, in Burlington, Vermont. Arrived as a whippersnapper, as Ryan uh, said, with hair. (laughs) Scared but hopeful. Um, And the faces have changed, but the calling hasn't. Uh, God still has plans for Vermont, for this little state, right? In a state where it's expensive to live, to find good work, to not fall in potholes. um, But God still calls us forward. And there are people still here in Vermont, people who's prepared and directed their steps so they can have the best chance of knowing. That's right. And I I do think Burlington has been a place of, um, did I make this word up, transiency? That's a good word. It's good. It's a good word. We know where you're going. It's transient, right? Yep. Um, But the impact from this little state, I mean, has been felt in many places. Right. In many ways, we've been kind of, we've sent people out across the nation. Yeah, we have. Inadvertently, and not necessarily by our own choice, right? But, yeah, I mean, internationally. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, who have been impacted, their hearts have been impacted here. 
and have just hopefully, you know, been better by knowing us, by being able to experience knowing God uh, together. And, um, you know, maybe maybe our church will never be big. Maybe it will be small. Who knows, right? I don't think God is that concerned with the size. But God is faithful. And uh, I think Chandra, uh, I, tried to, I tried to change this, but I think Chandra got it correct. You know, God is faithful. It's not about the church size, and it's, you know, it's not a measure of, the church size is not a measure of his pleasure in us. That's right. um, and, I, and I have been encouraged to, know, and to see over the years how God has been faithful to us. Yeah. Despite challenges yeah. and despite the ups and downs, God has, uh, has kept us here. Um, I did want to close out just reading uh, something that, uh, real quick, in Psalm 126. And then we'll finish with a song and then, uh, and then finish the service. Uh, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we were filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them. And as I think Katie said, you know, God's word doesn't return empty. That's right. And uh, we get to continue carrying that forward, uh, not because of anything great that we can do or that we'll ever do, but because of who God is. So I hope that um, just today that we can take that encouragement uh, as we uh, continue uh, through our week this week. And um, what do we want to do? Do we want to finish with a prayer or finish with a song? Yeah, I think you got Margaret to yeah, Margaret coming up. Margaret, you're Margaret share about special missions and I've been hearing the stories and like, wow, it all ties in, guys. <laughs> you know, I was thinking back in 1995, I was a second year medical student in Nashville, mm-hmm. uh, Tennessee. I had been baptized in, in 1994. And uh, I still remember um, being this poor medical student, no money. I mean, I ate squirrels at the time yeah. in Tennessee. <laughs> uh, that's how poor I was. Um, uh, but we had this thing called special missions, and it was like ten times. Uh, I remember the, the, the leaders of the church saying, "You know, we're going to give ten times of what we give." I was like, "Wow, ten times zero is like." But you know, it was like I was like, "Okay, yeah, we can we can give." But it was this thing. I still remember. I think the first. Well, we're like, we're going to raise, like, all the poor medical students. We're like, I'm going to raise, we're going to raise $200 for special missions. We're like, what are we going to get to raise all? It was so big. But we had, um, there was a walkathon. I still remember it was this huge walkathon. We went around, we asked people, my friends, like, give me a dollar, I'll walk, I'm out. But, I mean, we did all these things, and we raised the money. And the money, in the, when the way special missions was talked to us was, we, I was an ace, I remember when, you kind of went back when ICOC had world sectors, you know, mm-hmm. and I remember Nashville were responsible for Africa, Caribbean, and parts of Europe. That was what ACE stands for. Mm-hmm. And that money was going to go 
to those places to help plant churches. Mm-hmm. Just imagine though, that had to happen for Burlington to exist. Yeah. So in 1995, you know, yeah. the help with the yeah. support, even yeah. though you didn't have our leader. But those were missions that were happening all over right. the world. Yeah. And so yeah. just from from that, I mean, from 1994, we were getting the Every year, you know, it was it was a big thing. And that was what I wanted to encourage us here. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, we don't, I mean, even if you don't have the money, it was something that you planned for, you looked forward to, and you went, you did, I mean, I, you wanted to do it, you know, because of the stories. I mean, you hear the stories today, right? Yeah, like him coming up here, or uh, Maria being able to, to actually be yeah. baptized. Right. Yeah. Us moving up here from Syracuse and having that community, getting in contact with, with Caroline, you know, to come up. Because when I, by the time I was looking for jobs, I wouldn't go anywhere that didn't have a church. Mm-hmm. I still remember mm-hmm. when I finished my fellowship, Asheville, North Carolina was giving me $80,000 more than my next, um, than Syracuse. Mm-hmm. And I ended up in Syracuse, Asheville didn't have a church. Mm-hmm. My uh, brother actually said, I'll come down and be your uh, pastor for the <laughs> 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 But that about yeah. money, I was like, no, no, thank you. <laughs> but it was it was important. So and, that, and that's why I think special mission mm-hmm. is very is is very very important. And I, right. I just wanted to encourage all of us to actually give. The, I was in the shower this morning. I was like, wow. The, 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 and, and thought about who really encourages me about special mission and his mom actually. Yeah. Mom doesn't have a job. But I tell you, mom gives thirty-five dollars a week. She's like, "There's my hundred and forty dollars for the month of March. I just put it in tightly, you know." And she's like, "Come on, but you know, she collects money from the grandchildren, the children. <laughs> she gets birthday presents. As soon as she gets, she's like, oh, I got my special, you know, I got my special mission. She always has that on the side. So I just want us to tell us to encourage us because God's gonna do it whether we do it or not, you know. But it's just us showing our appreciation." Um, um, and and uh, the one scripture I had was uh, Proverbs 11:25, where it says, "A generous uh, man or person will prosper. Mm-hmm. He who, who refreshes others will himself be uh, refreshed." That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. scriptures. So mm-hmm. thank yeah. you all. Yeah. Stories are great today. Awesome. Awesome.